Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There, God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dominic Grimaldi here with Street Talk Theology, where we take theology and bring it to the streets. This is our third session talking about covenant theology, and we got off into a tantrum, as usually we do. Uh, Ashok, uh, Ashok uh, Mohan and Pastor Michael Teddy, we're talking about dispensational theology. We're at that point compared to covenant theology. We're doing it in respect and honor of all views. We left off with Ashuk dealing with dispensational theology as a system. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask Pastor Michael Teddy to just quickly go over what Ashuk said last week. Um, and then he's going to compare that to covenant theology. And he'll go on with that in comparison and con compare and contrast. And then we'll end up this session with Ashuk giving us some good resources that we can look at to kind of recap what we've been speaking about. So let me give it to Pastor Michael. Let me turn it over to him. He'll recap dispensational theology and then compare it and contrast it to covenantal theology. Pastor Michael. Right. So the, the dispensational point of view essentially takes... Genesis to Revelation, the whole story of the Bible, and how their method of harmonizing, or, or if I can use the word disharmonizing, is basically they divide the text up into specific dispensations, okay, or a specific uh, regions specific dispensation what is the word you used ashok you used a word that that i really liked economy, uh, economy yeah a specific mm -hmm. economy right As, so when they divide so when they look at the bible they take a step back and they look at the scripture and say well this period of time seems to be this dispensation it seemed to be this kind of an economy and then from this time to this time, it seemed to be this kind of an economy. So more like and different, so what, different economies, right, Pastor Michael? Right. Okay. Different economies. And each economy is completely disconnected from the other in the sense that when, one, when, when time shifts or the story shifts from one economy to another, it's an entirely new economy. There's, there's no continuity between the two economies. Right. So you, you've got so you're, you're basically hacking the Bible up into seven sections or seven dispensations or seven economies in which God related with people a certain way in one economy. It, 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 there was a certain set of stuff that happened there. There was a nature to that economy that changed. So God changed the way he behaved with people in the next economy. And so you have these. Um, succession of dispensations and that's how they view that entire grid uh, that's how as simple as basic as i can put it in the previous podcast ashok named all the economies you know as you look at it escapes my head 
uh, i've not written it down here but so so you ha you have about seven dispensations seven economies to it so when they look at the time that we live in today it is a specific dispensation so they would look at previous dispensations which have a historical value nothing more mm. right because th there's a there's a there's an economy there's a there's a specific way in which god deals with us in this dispensation now a majority of the evangelical world is dispensational and most people don't know it uh, you know if people have not heard this word they're probably part of a church where the thought process or the theology or the world view uh, is such because that's what they've been taught now the reason i distance myself the primary reason i distance myself farthest away from dispensational theology and closer to covenant theology is i believe that any approach to dividing the scripture has to involve scripture as a guide if if i open up the bible and i look at it and try to divide it myself then i am the authority that decides how this division works to a great extent and you take any book you take any chapter in the bible you take any non-biblical text you take any fiction we all are able to divide that into sections right and the problem is it, it's not enough that we divide it into sections that make most sense. I don't believe that's the approach to understanding how the Bible works. I think we have to go to the Bible and see if the Bible provides us a grid by which we can understand how the whole story holds together. What dispensationalism does it, is that it takes a step away from scripture where men try to figure out how it holds together. Whereas covenant theology does not do that. Covenant theology looks at scripture and looks at scripture to divide scripture, to show us how things hold together, which is where covenants become very important. Because biblically, it is very hard for us from the text to prove that God works through dispensations. Whereas it is very clear for us and vivid for us in the text that how God deals with mankind is through covenants is through repeated making of covenants with his people. And from the beginning with Adam, you have covenants that are kept. So how covenant theology aligns itself is, uh, of course, I just wanted to say one more thing. Even when you think dispensationalism or covenant theology, remember there's a, there are disagreements within the camp. Okay, th th there is a specific certain range within the camp. So I'm just giving a broad classification, even as I go into covenant theology. There are nuances, disagreements here and there, but broadly speaking, um, what is believed in covenant theology is that God made his covenant with Adam in, at the time of creation. And it was, it was what we call the covenant of works. And the reason it's called the covenant of works is because the covenant God makes with Adam is um, you can, you know, eat of any of the trees of the garden. You can, uh, you know, he had work that was given to him, joyful work, not hard work. It was a beautiful creation. He had everything. And the covenant of work essentially was that he could do, he could eat any of the trees of the garden except, now there's a, 
there's a term here's the contractual term of the covenant except of the tree of life and the tree of knowledge you can't eat of that tree of knowledge and if you do you break the covenant and and god tells him the day you eat of that tree you shall surely die so the consequence of breaking the covenant is death so there we have the first covenant that was made and what happens is we find that adam breaks the covenant so the the contract is void it's null and void that that contract of work was broken when adam sinned and the wages of his sin is death so as per the terms of the contract adam should be dead but what happens in what follows in that story is instead of death god clothes their shame in fact when god curses adam and eve one of the most surprising responses of god is seen within the curse where god looks at eve and says you shall bring forth children in pain Okay, now we all look at that and go, "What a curse!" That's 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 where the curse began. But we miss something very important. Why is God even talking about children when they should be dead? They are expecting death to fall upon them, and suddenly God says the word "children." I wonder what emotions went through. Like it would it have been bittersweet to know that this is a punishment, but for some reason. God does not destroy them. Now, as per terms of contract, God is the judge who is capable of destroying them, and the covenant is broken, and the wages of sin is death. And this is where Ashok was talking about. You would have heard him mention federal head, and federal headship essentially means that when God made this covenant with Adam, He wasn't just making this covenant with Adam as a person. because if he did that then eve didn't have to be punished but eve was also punished why because adam was her head and all of us are children of adam and we see see from cain to abel to all the children of adam even unto us we begin to see that that's how that covenant was made adam is our federal head our covenant head and adam represented all of us as our father in front of god and he broke the covenant and so the curse of that covenant falls on all of us which is why we are all born in sin that's which is it what it means when we say that we are born in adam and that's why it says all in adam die right pastor michael right yeah and that and you know you go into the the book of romans and you begin to see when paul talks about adam the first adam and the second adam that's what happens so so you know i'm taking too much time but i i'll try to be as succinct no, no, as possible no no that's okay that's okay yeah so uh, what happens then as as time progresses is god continues to make new covenants now if you just think about it like a story that's very strange what's god trying to do here why is he making new covenants with the people who are under damnation who are going to be killed according to the terms of the covenant that was broken and you begin to see god make covenants and i'll i'll draw your attention to one covenant 
which is a covenant he makes with Abraham in Genesis 15. What happens is God makes a covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15 where he basically tells him, you know, your, your uh, children, your heir, your children and your offspring shall inherit the earth. You know, they'll be uh, as, as wide as, as the numbers of the, you know, you can't count them. You know, like the stars of the sky, the sand of the sea, the, the uh, seashore and all that. Yeah, so what God does is he makes a covenant of, of a promise with, uh, with Abraham. Now, the way God makes this covenant is very interesting because in Genesis 15, God asks in, I think it's in verse 9, he asks him to bring a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he said, and he brought all these and he says, cut them in half and lay them half over against each other. So you, you, you cut them in half, you, you lay them like a path, you know, on, on either side, you lay them in, on a stretch. And what God then does is he walks between the carcasses. Okay. And what you're seeing there is what is commonly called um, um, in a covenantal agreement. Uh, there is also a covenant sign that God institutes. There's a method, a contractual method of coming into that agreement. Usually, this kind of a practice is done, and this is the meaning of that contract is this, be it unto me, like unto these carcasses, if I don't fulfill what I have contractually agreed with you. Right? So that's what that symbolism means. So when he cut these things and you walk in the middle of it, it means that be it unto me, just like what happened to these carcasses, let me be cut in half and laid for vultures to devour if I don't keep my end of the contract with you. Amen. Now, what is, so, what is so amazing about this contract is that Abraham is not the one who's walking in the middle of the carcasses. God is the one who walks in the middle of the carcasses. Can you imagine the nature of that contract where God is saying the never-ending, immutable, eternal God is saying, be it unto me that I should be cut up like these carcasses if I don't fulfill the promise I give to you. So God takes covenants very seriously. And you begin to see he gives these covenants with Abraham and with Moses and with Israel. And the nature of these covenants is a little different from the covenant that was given to Adam, the covenant of work. And the nature is different because either these were covenants of promise, okay, where God says, I will do unto you, and this is my promise. It's a covenant of promise. Or it's a covenant where God says, if you do this, you shall be blessed. If you do this, you shall be cursed. Just like the covenant of work. If you eat of the tree, you will, be, you will die. If you don't eat of it, you will live. So you have similar covenants made. But the interesting thing is, in the Old Testament, Israel always broke the covenants. Hmm. God has always been the only true covenant keeper. And mankind has always broken the covenants. But the strange thing is, in all those subsequent covenants, 
God made a way for restitution. The covenant of work was entirely broken when Adam sinned because the contract was broken. But every subsequent covenant had a means of restitution. So when the Israelites failed to keep God's word, God's law, God's covenant, and they then went and offered sacrifices of bulls and goats. And like the author of Hebrews says, it's not like the blood of bulls and goats can save anyone. Mm. But God made a method of restitution by which they can remain in the covenant. Right? And so they did this and God would forgive their sins. They did this, God would forgive their sins. All of this was meant to symbolize what would happen when Jesus comes. Amen. When Jesus came, he inaugurates once and for all God's covenant of grace. Where now we don't cut uh, uh, kill bulls and offer blood on the altars. The reason we don't do that today is because the covenant we are in today is a covenant of the blood of Christ. Amen. Where once for all, Jesus Christ fulfills all of the covenants that were in the past. He fulfills the covenants as a man. Right? So, so God became man and in our stead kept the commandments we couldn't keep, fulfilled the covenants we kept breaking. And so Jesus, therefore, is the new federal head of all those who believe in him. So John 3, 16, that's what it means. We are in Christ, no longer in Adam. The old self has passed away and the new has come. Yeah. So under Christ, we now live in the covenant of grace that Christ has inaugurated. And in this covenant, the, the promise we have, the joy we have, in this covenant, that is why we can't fall away. You know, as Calvinists, we believe that we can never lose our salvation. Well, the reason we can never lose our salvation is because we are in the covenant of grace and the blood of Christ keeps us in the grace of Christ. All in Adam mm -hmm. die, all in Christ are shook. Yes, Made all in alive, Christ right? they, they have eternal life. We have about seven minutes left, six minutes now. So thank you for that exposition, Pastor Michael, it was excellent. Um, Ashuk, you're going to give us some resources. Maybe you want to recap what Michael just said quickly, but then give us some resources. And then we'll uh, we'll end up. We got about six minutes, Ashuk. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, one uh, one um, a terminology that might help here is, well, all the old covenant uh, works, uh, all co old covenant uh, covenants, Old Testament covenants, all pointed towards something to come. All were foreshadows of something to come. But in New Testament, in the New Covenant, what we have is a covenant based on a finished work. One is a promise of a great work to happen. And the other is uh, based on the finished work. So at the heart of uh, the covenants, there, there is something that I like to call the tale of two, uh, two trees and two atoms. And uh, since we were talking about drama and uh, dogma, this is since we talked about stories, this is something that I just quickly want to tell. So 
in the two adams and two trees this is what we have as a story of the scripture the first adam well he finds a suitable helper in his bride in eve and he writes the world's first song for her and calls her the flesh of his flesh and but yet he willfully sins at the tree and invites death and destruction then he blames his bride and hides his naked flesh from the flesh of his flesh but then the second adam comes he doesn't need a bride he is not dependent on anything but yet he chooses a bride for himself and cleanses his bride he writes the greatest love song ever for her the song of songs he willfully takes her sin at the tree and defeats death and destruction and shifts her blame upon himself he purifies his bride by making her eat of his flesh and drink of his blood trees adams bride flesh song all these concepts united by the covenants amen throughout the scripture <clears throat> yes and now the resources i will suggest a few resources a few resources you got 4 minutes for resources my brother <laughs> yeah wouldn't take that long uh well uh being a baptist i would generally recommend the baptist uh view of the covenant theology here uh one is an excellent uh, book uh, by the founders ministry it is called the mystery of christ his covenant and his kingdom this this is by samuel renihan then there is a book called recovering a covenantal heritage uh this is by uh, edited by richard baslus and then there is covenant theology from adam and christ by john owen and then the distinctiveness of baptist covenant theology by pascal dinault and uh, so these are the some of the very well known um, baptist uh, books that we have out there uh, about covenant theology and uh, especially renihan's book and uh, pascal dinault's book and all these books are very uh, what do you say they are they excellent books the way that they've uh, done the exegesis of the scripture and how they unite the the thread of this uh, gospel together is just amazing so amazing resources and uh, yeah and even apart from that uh, if you go to youtube and search samuel renihan you would see him on a bunch of podcasts and this is pretty much what he does all the time <laughs> talk about covenant theology uh, in most places that he goes to so there's plenty of resources out there um uh, plenty of uh, seminars and lectures that he has taken and even an excellent i think with jared longshore and uh, with uh, uh, tom askell he has done a uh, he has done a podcast for the founders where he uh, expounds a little bit on his book as well as covenant theology so these are oh yes 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 and my dear pastor michael who's with us on, on the call has done a series on covenant theology uh which is on a website as well if you go to redemptionhill.in and or redemption hills youtube channel and you look through the uh, uh the sermons you would find covenant theology series um a covenant fulfilled covenant theology part 2 part 3 there are three uh successive videos that you will find on covenant theology so yeah i think one, awesome. one of the things we can do by the time the podcast comes out i think is people can just search redemptionhill.in/covenant Yeah. and uh, yeah. we you just you just have to search that and we'll we'll link it to the playlist yeah send, yeah, yeah, send yeah. that send that link to me uh pastor michael yeah. if that's okay yeah, yeah. well yeah. uh we did three sessions on what is covenant and we broke it down as best as we can we still want to deal with um with baptism in this but that'll be on another show we'll probably do that next week but we won't do it today we're trying to do these yeah. so you get them in 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 order um appreciate these brothers we definitely appreciate them here taking all this time and explaining covenant for us 
So I thank you guys personally. And again, this it's is a joy. Uh, uh, Pastor it's Dominic Romaldi, Street Talk Theology. We take theology and bring it to the streets. Until next time, may God bless and keep in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org. Mm-hmm.